Welcome to Five Star Autopsy, where we examine the cause of death for the greatest creative runs in pop culture history. We're talking movies, we're talking music, we're talking literature, and if we're talking literature, that means we're also talking comic books. And today on the slab, we have we we have a, a big one. Okay, today on the slab, we're talking Frank Miller. Uh, where, where, where do we start? I'll say this. I'll start this. Um, I, I, I draw comic books. I write comic books. I am a comic book creator. Frank Miller is easily my biggest influence. He's um. I, he he was one of the first. He was one of the first creators I uh, um, recognized as a kid, and I've gone back to his work so many times, and uh, I've grown with him in his work, and. I see so much of what he's uh, what what he's done in what I do, um, and for better or for worse, I guess you know. Uh, Frank Miller is, of course, a controversial figure, um, but we're here to talk about his um, his his work, and you know we'll touch on some of the controversy as we get to later part of his career. But um, I think as long as you're willing to uh, separate the art from the artist. And you don't have to be, but if you are, I think you can definitely get a lot out of his work. And um, we'll go over, you know, we'll, we'll go over um, kind of the trajectory of uh, him as a public figure a little bit. But we're, honestly, that that's interesting, but not as interesting to me as what he, the comic books he's made, right? So, <clears throat> so what was my introduction to Frank Miller? My introduction, like I think a lot of people, uh, was The Dark Knight Returns, the trade paperback, the collected... Uh, version of that Batman uh, story. I've uh, I've discussed it, um, not in this podcast, but in other things. Um, uh, <laughs> by the way, I'm, I'm Tony McMillan, I'm your host. Um, but I've discussed that uh, the summer of 89, which is the Tim Burton Batman movie summer, that was the summer of the Batman. That, that movie was everywhere. It's omnipresent. It's impossible to escape. And I was, uh, I think, nine years old, and I didn't want to escape it. I, I was so perfectly aimed to for that movie to um change my life and part of what it did was um batman's awareness was everywhere and so i i'd already read some comic books and like some comic books and i might have even had a couple batman comics but um the dark knight returns trade paperback which came out in 86 was already a huge hit it was and it was already kind of changing the industry well since the batman movie was coming out and the batman movie was directly influenced by that book um, the Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller was in a bunch of bookstores, like regular bookstores. So when my Aunt Susie, um, I was on vacation, my Aunt Susie was taking care of me. We went to a bookstore and we saw this Batman book, this big, thick graphic novel. You know, she was like, oh, you know, that's that's a legit book. Um, Tony wants it. And I got it. And way, <laughs> way uh, too far advanced for me in a lot, in a lot of ways in the content and then also the execution and the um, storytelling was a little complicated for me but I still I was enthralled by it and I was I was under its sway and I'd read it um, scratch my head at a lot of parts but I keep on reading it and I go back and reread it and reread it and I got more and more out of it and so that book quickly became my comic book bible and it basically still kind of is. I um, I think I reread it at least once a year, and just and it's not because like I have like some like timed appointment to reread it. I just like I'm like oh, I feel like reading Dark Knight again. It's it's so rereadable. It's 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 a wonderful work. But guess what? We're not there yet, right? That is not the start of Frank Miller's uh, consecutive run of, of greatness. 
And we're going to see, but I, I think we might have a really interesting um, run because what's complicated about comic book artists and Frank Miller's no different is that Frank Miller, like a lot of comic book artists, does a lot of work for hire. And so, you know, with this podcast, we try to we try to be in the favor of the artists. And I've said it before, you know, if you're a musician, right, and you have a bunch of great albums, but you did a collaboration on somebody else's album, right, and that song kind of sucks, we're not going to hold that against you. At the same time, if you did a collaboration and it rules... Okay, we'll count it. We'll put we'll put it in as part of your run. We want we want you guys to succeed. We we're here for the artists, right? We want these runs to to be these um these great journeys. So Frank Miller, the task for me was like, okay, Frank Miller is a writer and an artist. He's done a lot of books all himself. Well, I mean, not all himself. He's had letterers and colorists and and you know inkers and other things. But he's written and drawn a lot of his own stories. He's also done stories where he's written them. And someone else drew them. And he's done a few, of course, where he, especially early in his career, where he drew and, and someone else wrote them. But that makes a lot of work, and it's, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of variables there, because he's not do, using the same collaborators when, when he writes a story and someone else draws it. And so to, to make it easier and make it cleaner, we're not going to really, um, we're not going to touch too much on his collaborations with other artists. Um, there are some incredible work there. But it, it basically, it, it, it makes things so, it makes things too fucking complicated for me. So what we're going to do is uh, we'll just talk about how, um, when we get to those works, we'll discuss them briefly, but they won't count towards or against his runs. Um, and there's definitely at least one which I think is more than worthy of being in the run. It might be one of his better works in general. But it's not going to count, and, and that's that's fine. So we're going to talk about strictly the stuff that Frank Miller wrote and drew. So right out the gate, Frank Miller comes on the scene as a writer. He's, he's already been an artist for, for a little bit. He's drawing the book Daredevil for a couple issues. Jim Shooter, the editor-in-chief of Marvel, gives him the go-ahead, and he becomes writer-artist. He immediately introduces the character Elektra, and he begins one of the greatest... Um, runs on any superhero title ever on Daredevil. And it begins his run as a creator of his his string of greatness. So his run on Daredevil, which I think is like, like two and a half years, maybe three years. It's a jaw-dropping debut. This is uh this is Daredevil. This is Frank Miller taking Daredevil, who um you know this the story's been told a million times basically Daredevil is looked at as a second string Spider-Man he wasn't that popular. No, you know, second string Spider-Man will slash rip off of Batman in a lot of ways. He, no, no one really cared that much about him, right? Frank Miller comes. He takes the title on. He makes it a, a, a top-selling book, a critical darling, and he um, he introduces a lot of techniques and he popularizes some other techniques that um, are still being used today. And he he just basically he changes comic books with this book, especially superhero titles. Um, Frank Miller's Daredevil is, is a really impressive run, especially an impressive uh, part of a, a bigger run by a creator. And if you think about it, that it's basically, it's work for hire. He's taken on existing characters. This is Marvel in the 70s, right? And so, you know, Jim Shooter's big thing is that every issue is some kid's first issue. So you have to kind of always bring the readers up to speed. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's not like nowadays where if you do a, a run on a superhero title, 
you can build it toward, you know, it could be an arc. It could be like, you know, part, a six-part story. These are more self-contained stories that eventually add up to one big story arc, but they're built to be single, little single digest stories. And Frank Miller excels at this, and he excels at um, action choreography. And, and throughout his entire body of work, you see that he's a big noir influence, and he's... Um, He's into like uh, the elements of crime novels and, and Mickey Spillaney and and Philip Marlowe. He's into the stuff like the language they use as well as the um, the content of those stories. You know, like so it's always you know back alley crime and seedy underbelly of the city. And so what Frank Miller does is he is, he just kind of inserts the Daredevil character into that world. And he, you know he's also in, in, influenced and inspired by Will Eisner's The Spirit. You know, a bunch of other stuff, but Frank Miller's version of it, he basically turns this uh, knockoff Spider-Man into a must-read book, and everyone's kind of flabbergasted. And he does it um, with some help, you know? Frank Miller is writer and artist, but he's uh, being inked by uh, Klaus Jansen, who's an amazing inker and artist himself. And eventually, um, as the demands of a monthly title kind of ratcheted up Frank Miller um, stopped being full on penciler and did, did breakdowns basically so he's breaking down the story he's, he's still um, dictating how the panels will look and where the figures will be but he leaves more of the detail more of that to, to Claus or Klaus I was going to call him like Santa Claus Santa Claus Klaus um, it's a really important partnership for, for Frank Miller and they will go on to create um, even more even greater work in my opinion uh but this this is this is touchstone stuff this is um incredible work i it's i think it's you'd be hard pressed to find a better run within a monthly comic book outside of um jack kirby's work with stan lee or jack kirby's solo work or you know or or, or chris claremont and john john byrne x-men walt times and thor there's all these runs that people talk about but to me i mean Frank Miller's Daredevil is is that good. It's it, um, it's funny. Is actually I only read this for the first time recently ish, like the last few years. I um, it's one of those. It was a blind spot. I love Frank Miller, but like um, it was when I looked at the trade collections of Daredevil, um, the coloring it's on the this, you know the the bright white paper and the coloring looks really garish and looks terrible and it kind of took me out of it. And so I finally recently start tracking down the sing, the actual single issues. And got him, you know, like cheaper copies, and just to have the newsprint. So like, I really appreciate the color, and they're beautiful. And even, you know, though, even if like um, comic book storytelling, superheroes especially, has kind of moved on a little bit from this work, it's still really impressive and still extremely enjoyable. And so, you get yourself in the right mindset. I mean, these stories, they're just they're they're, they're a wondrous thing to behold, and they're just. They're damn fun, even if they're, you know, they are gritty for a superhero book, still aimed for, towards kids. There's tons of uh, good times to be had reading these books. So he has a jaw-dropping debut. He's, he's you know, king shit of uh, fuck mountain as far as comics go. What does he do next? He does a book called Ronin for DC. And Ronin is... Ro, Ronin is an experimental curveball and it's 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 experiment as far as storytelling goes as far as art styles go this is frank miller inking himself and developing this extremely dense um 
crosshatch that um, it makes a lot of the figures look like they're all like um, etched out of wood or something. Like they're wooden figures. It, it, it's it goes over. There's so much line. So it's so um, just. It looks like a forest of of scratches. It, it, it's such a and it's a departure from his uh, Daredevil style. You see a little bit in the last couple issues of Daredevil he did. But this is something different. So he, he he deviates there. The actual storytelling, the panel to panel stuff, he's doing a he's 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 going far out. And and so in Daredevil he um he brought in some uh, influence from manga and um and samurai movies, and he brought in ninjas and. He was an early adopter of like a, of sort of like ninja, ninja in pop culture, and he brought to like America and comic books. You know, he he stole from manga and other stuff and, and injected it in there. So Ronin, which is a samurai story as well as like a cyberpunk story as well as a really surreal, um, kind of tone poem at, at, at times. Um, he takes he he goes even further into this kind of Japanese uh, manga influence. And he also at the same time goes into Mobius and a, a European comic book kind of um, inspiration. And he's kind of melding these two worlds. And of course himself still, he's there's still Frank Miller in there. And, and he, and he said he's inking himself, it's more Frank Miller than ever in a lot of ways. So that's experimental in, on, on both those planes. On top of that, this is DC's first time they're doing this prestige format. So the they're, they're, there's better paper. The books are released... Um, um, and, and better binding and they cost more money and they're going to be, be sort of presented as this is something different than just a single issue uh, floppy comic. This is something special. So basically DC's betting on this guy. They're betting on Frank Miller, the, you know, the guy from Daredevil to kind of um, to kind of help them change the industry, right? It doesn't do great. Um, there's a lot of hype for issue one and but people, they get it, and they're kind of like, I'm not so sure about this. This isn't Daredevil. I'm not sure what, what this is. And issue two and three and four, like, it, the sales are kind of dropping off. It's not a flop, but it's not the huge thing that the gargantuan hit that um, DC and I think Frank Miller were all hoping for. You know, I think that uh, Will Eisner has a, a blurb on the back of issue one, but I think there's also... Uh, <laughs> There's a there's document talks that he was also um, afterwards after reading a couple more issues like what the fuck is this this is so confusing this is this is sloppy I, he wasn't into it so a lot of people weren't so sure about it you know and I love the book I I um as a kid I I, I enjoyed it but um rereading it a couple of years ago I re- I got a lot more out of it and I really understood like um some of the risks that Frank Miller is taking and and that. And the cool challenges he he was putting on himself that he I think he was meeting. And the ending of the book is is a it really just kind of puts a nice little bow on everything, and it's a really ambivalent and ambiguous is a better word for it. It's an ambiguous kind of ending, and um, it it just kind of adds an extra layer to the whole proceedings. And so Ronan, I I love Ronan, and I think it's a really important part of of of. Uh, Frank Miller's uh, development. He took risk, and the risk pays off later. Because now the book, people love the book. You know, people, most people say it's a, it's a classic. Some people, you know, I think there's some people who uh, are just trying to be really cool. They say this is a fair Frank Miller Frank Miller book, and maybe it is. But I think there are better works. But I I definitely adore it, and it's up there. It's, I mean, 
I will I will entertain you if you say this is your favorite Frank Miller book. It's um, its influence is is um, really widespread, especially for a book that wasn't a huge hit initially. Um, there'd be no Ninja Turtles without um, this book, and of course without uh, Daredevil. But but um, beyond that, it's just it's just a, a cool, unique story, and it's really Frank Miller. Um, Blending a lot of stuff, blending a lot, putting a lot of different disparate things, and show you how they all kind of put work together. So, so Ronan, outstanding, right? So now we got two, two, two for two, right? I so Ronan, but unfortunately at, at this time of his career, um, since Ronan wasn't a big hit, and DC put a lot of money into it for production wise and stuff like that, you know the pressure is on. So Frank Miller basically had to put up or shut up now, right? What does he do? He sort of melds the two different approaches he's tried so far into a third approach. So he's taken, he goes back to um, Daredevil, right? And he goes, Klaus Jansen, I'm going to have Klaus ink me again. He, Klaus can kind of um, give people, give my work a little bit more of that look that people were really, really into, right? Then he's going to take Lynn Varley. Lynn Varley. Um, she she colored a couple issues of Daredevil, but uh, she colored uh, Ronan and uh, Lynn Varley is going to color his next work. And in my estimation, this is the best coloring job in comics ever. No one's beat it. She hasn't beat it. I'm constantly looking to this coloring work as uh, the bar uh, for which to, to, to reach towards and, and maybe try to jump. Lynn Varley is a, a colorist and, and painter and artist, and she was also dating Frank Miller at the time, and they got married, I think, later on. So they, that I assume, a very close um, working relationship, and I think it helps things. But with the next work, she's going to do a lot of water paint, watercolor, and, and, and painting behind his line work, and it's going to create... Um, it's going to create something that's... Just, it's, it's such an interesting thing, because Frank Miller's work, especially... Um, I guess always, but this period too, he can have a really squiggly line. He can have a lot of, a lot of dark black ink on the page, broad strokes, really thick figures. It can be ugly. It can be um, uh, distorted, extremely stylized. Lynn Varley adds um, a balance to a lot of things with her color work, and she kind of adds. Uh, it doesn't soften things. It just kind of accentuates by being so different um so she'll have these lush colors or these um these bright tones and and the watercolors it, it, it kind of adds depth and it to to some frank's line work and it, it adds depth and it can add um a texture to an already um kind of gritty line he's drawn so I, I don't know there's something a really cool dance that's happening and it it almost always works, and when it does, it's it's um it's fireworks, man. So what's the book they're all doing together, right? Frank Miller he takes he takes his old partner Klaus, right? His newish partner Lynn, and then he goes, I want to continue with this this um, high end production we did in Ronin, right? These better it's better quality paper, this better quality format. Um, I think that's even though that Ronan wasn't a huge hit, I think it, this next work will, will be a hit with that production if we take it, we, we use a more um, a more well-known uh, subject because Ronan was Frank Miller's own creation, right? So what is he gonna do? He 
He's going to do fucking Batman, obviously. So Frank Miller does The Dark Knight Returns, right? Initially, um, it comes out in four issues, right? Four double-sized, huge, prestige format issues. Um, this book, you know, I, I, I came into comics like, a, you know, three years later, basically. The, the This book had already become legendary. When I got it, all I heard from other people was, was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's the best thing I've ever read. This and Watchmen. They came out the same year. They... They took, they just knocked the industry upside down. They changed how comics are looked, they're viewed at. Um, Time Magazine would would look at a comic, certain comics. Then um, there's interviews of Frank Miller and Rolling Stone because of this book. Um, and the best thing is like, some works are really celebrated and really important, but later in, in later years you look at them and go, yeah, it wasn't that good though, or it was it was okay, it wasn't as good as everyone said. I, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Sergeant Pepper or there's stuff like that. This work. This work beyond holds up for me. Obviously, this this work is um, I've had a gun to my head. It's my favorite comic book. This is Frank Miller's masterpiece. Um, it's all working for him right now. He's um, he comes up with a story about an aging Batman, who um, who's re- retired, and then he comes he, like ten years later, or so fifteen years later, he um, he dons the cowl again, and he goes back to fighting crime because he's basically he's um. <laughs> he's he's supernaturally drawn to um to his vengeance quest. He's um he's he's an addict. He's also he's a, he's a weird he it, it, I don't know. He's he's a tragic heroic figure. He's also a figure of menace and and he he's a terrorist. He's possibly a fascist. He's possibly none of those things. He, he might just be like the one good man left in a rotten world. There's a lot of questions of Dark Knight and. It doesn't really matter. You get to answer them and change your answer as much as you uh, want to reread it. Dark Knight Returns comes, takes the industry by storm. Frank Miller has now, he's he's they open the gates to Valhalla. He's 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 part of the the echelon, right? He's 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 the big guy. Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons are are also doing kind of this, the same thing, and maybe in some circles that's a better work or even a higher praise work. But they're basically neck and neck. Dark Knight Returns comes, and Frank Miller basically is the writer and artist for this thing. So he gets kind of, um, at least for me as a kid, it was easier to like uh, to uh, latch onto him as a figure, a personality in a way, because it's just one guy, and his you know his presence is felt in every page of this book. But Frank Miller ups his storytelling. He um, he ups the art, the actual line work. He uh, he also inks uh, some of these pages himself and. It all just kind of coalesces into this great work, and it's such a weird masterpiece because it's it's very punk rock. It's very um, improvisational. It feels like jazz. It feels like um, he's making choices on the page as well as the overall story. Uh, he's shooting by the hip, and it's landing. It's he's fucking making the right choices somehow. Um, what also is really uh, great about this work is it, it really showcases that Frank Miller is a, a master of composition. He's a master at um, composition when it comes to the figure. How to present a figure in the most um, captivating way possible. That means um, panel layout, but it also means simply how is that figure posed? Um, He's, you know, really adept at the heroic figure, 
there are shots of Batman. Um, the the first cover is is a silhouette of Batman over the lightning bolt. So Lynn Varley is doing a lot of heavy lifting with the um, the color in the background, but that silhouette of Batman is so perfectly rendered. It's you feel the momentum, you feel um, the the excitement of 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 that figure, the capes moving. Um, you, you feel the power of the figure. It feels um, primal. It feels mythic. Frank Miller, he's done it before in his career, but this is really, really um, crystallized that he is a he, he he is the best there is at the time, and may, maybe one of the best there ever was at creating these mythic um, figures posed in heroic and sometimes grotesque and sometimes grotesque and heroic uh compositions the cover of dark knight 2 batman battered beaten hunched over filling the entire uh, cover he he looks so big so uh bedraggled and there's so many lines and wrinkles it's it is it's terrifying looking i remember as a kid going oh my god that's that that's supposed to be batman he, he but it's also, you can't get your eyes off it, you know? And he still has that defiant look to him. Like, he's still going to keep fighting. His knuckles are up. You know, it's it's really inspiring stuff. And I think Dark Knight has parts um, really open to interpretation where it's like, is he, is Frank Miller being um, sardonic here in some of the, some of the um, story elements? Um, is he sort of poking fun at superheroes? And um, especially the dark superhero and is, is that also inform the drawing? And you know, you, it's up to interpretation. But I kind of think it's not the case. I think he, he, I think Frank Miller is, is earnestly like feeling this. There's there are there is humor in the book, but that's um, intended stuff. I think uh, for the most part, Frank Dark Knight, Batman himself is um, Frank Miller is is uh, <laughs> he's he's presenting a very complicated, flawed person. But overall, I think that he wants you to take away that he's a righteous guy. Even if he's fucked up and he's made he's making mistakes and he's um he he's 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 walking the line. Deep down, this guy is um is a hero. I think that's what Frank Miller's trying to say. But it's, it's what makes part of it, what makes a great compelling work is that it's um you know that it's your jigsaw puzzle. You can have a different um answer, and that's that's totally you know valid, obviously. So Dark Knight Returns comes. It's his masterpiece, right? This is the one. He could. It's still. It's um, if his the rest of his career wasn't so good, this would be a shadow caster. This would be something he could never really um, you know, surpass. And he and he basically doesn't. But it's fine because his other work is so good. It's like you know, they it's it's understood that this is such a phenomenon. You know, this is so big. I will say, a lot of the his 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 um following works are actually collaborations. It's sort of like after Dark Knight Returns. He's like, okay, I'm just gonna take a take a breather here for a second, of you know, and, and try to figure out what I want to write and draw next. And so, he does a lot of collaborations with different artists, and they're all pretty. They're mostly pretty good, you know. They're all actually they're all de- they're all definitely worth reading. They're all good, but um, are they worthy of the run? Only a few, I think, are. Only at least definitely one. So the next one, I Batman Year One by Frank Miller and David Madison Kelly. This is definitely one of the best works Frank Miller's ever done in any capacity. It's um, some people think it's better than Dark Knight Returns. Um, I love it. I, I think it's neck and neck. Um, I prefer the kind of 
funky punk rock idiosyncraticness of uh of frank miller's dark knight returns i I prefer it's operatic in story and then the um the depiction and the way it's drawn and told is sort of this fevered thing and i think it just that's my preference i I, it's a little more rock and roll year one is uh, is way more um controlled and it's it's beautiful and it's it's more um it's more akin to watchmen in, in the way that it is controlled and it's 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 um it's more elegant and i think it's it's awesome it's it's also um frank miller shines as a, as a writer but david mazzucchelli's art is um it's a very different thing than frank miller and the story is the better for it and because this particular story i think it really serves it so i think that if you know we're not going to count any of these collaborations but if we were this would continue to run. Year one is amazing. Now, before they did that, um, just I think just right before they did uh, Dark uh, Daredevil: Born Again, which is a, I think a five issue run in Daredevil. I think this is really good work. I uh, only read that a couple years ago. I will say though, um, a lot of people a lot of people like worship at the altar here on this run. I think it's really good, but I don't think it's um as good as Year One or Dark Knight Returns or. I think it's as good as some of the Frank Miller Daredevil stuff. Um, it's it's a very different beast. Um, would it be included in the run? Probably, but it'd be a squeaker. It'd squeak by, you know. And the other big <clears throat> big stuff is um, Bill Sienkiewicz. He he's, he does uh, Electra Assassin, which uh, artistically from Bill Sienkiewicz is firing at all cylinders. It's it's crazy how it's painted. It's it's like nothing else before it. It changes Bill Sienkiewicz's whole trajectory. Um, I do think it's a, the story, though, overall, um, there's some great parts, and but it's a little muddled. It's a little... Um, and it's per- purposely confusing, I think, but uh, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't help the work. Um, so I don't know if it's actually... It might be, it might have ruined the run if it was included. And then their, their other collaboration, um, the, the Kingpin Daredevil story, uh, Love and War, I think it's called, um, it's good. It's fine. It's nothing. It's I'd say it's not special because there's some incredible art and it's a fun story. Uh, and the way that Kingpin is drawn by Wilson Cabbage, I mean that's how they. You, that's basically the version of Kingpin is what they use for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Uh, humongously broad shoulders. It's really fun. It's cool, but it's it's it does feel like um, it it's it's just okay. It's it's nothing. It's a little perfunctory story-wise. You get some more depth into Dare uh, to Kingpin, but um. It's not uh, this big game changer, which is what Frank Miller seems to be uh, establishing with his career so far. Game changer after game changer after game changer, which of course is exhausting and impossible to uh, to um, perpetuate. I mean, you, you eventually you, keep, you change the game enough, it's fucking the game is set. It's up to somebody else who you've inspired to keep on changing it, right? You can only do it so much. I don't care who you are, right? The Beatles, Beastie Boys, whatever. You can you can only reinvent the wheel so many times. I think, but that's okay because that's not including the run either. Way. It's collaboration, right? And you know, there's also some stuff which I think is really fun and cool. And you know, I think is like he does a, an issue of a What If, which is uh, What If Electra lived, and Frank Miller draws that and writes that, and that's really fun and that's really good and that's that's as good as his Daredevil run. So that's not gonna upset the run. Um, but uh, what, what does he do? What does he finally follow up after? A couple of years, and I think he's actually drawing some of the stuff um, during Dark Knight, or at least right afterwards. He's working on a book called Electra Lives Again. This is going to be a uh, miniseries from the Marvel imprint called Epic, which is sort of more creator-owned slash 
adult, like them trying to compete with heavy metal, um, metal hurlon or whatever. Um, so this is a non-canon um, kind of Elseworlds type story with the character Letcher, which Frank Miller invented for Daredevil. It's uh, he brings back Lynn Varley. Uh, unlike Dark Knight, though, you know he inked a few pages himself there, and this one. Hinks it all himself. And Lynn Varley's color, her paints become even more um, commanding. Like he, she's she's uh, taking up, she, she's having to lift more on the page than before. Even like she's doing some of these backgrounds are really just her. Uh, so it, it's a really beautiful looking book. It, some of the art is some of my favorite stuff. There's this uh, overhead shot which uh, has Matt Murdock in like a. Uh, his like sexy battle diaper. He's just his underwear, but he's going down a staircase, descending. There's multiple figures, and it's um, it's incredible. And I think uh, uh, Jeff Darrow said on the cartoonist Gayfabe that uh, he, he helped Frank Miller figure out the perspectives on that or something like that. Um, it's a great shot. It's it's an incredible page. I will say though, this book, I I want to love this book. He, he he's going for something different. Frank Miller's going for um, a subdued story about loss and grief. Uh, another tone poem, kind of like Ronin, but this one even less. This one even more like uh, surreal and um, loose. Daredevil's barely, basically, uh, Matt Murdock almost doesn't put on the suit almost the entire book. And there's a couple like shots of him, like footage of him as Daredevil in the past. It's not really about that. And in Electra, it's really um, the story is very much like uh, you're not sure if she's actually been brought back to the dead. Is this all dream? Is this all um, a weird occult nightmare? Like it, it's it's intentionally chaotic and um avoids any real concrete answers i do think the i do think the story unfortunately um it doesn't deliver at the end it, it's it's there's some cool parts but it's not the sum of its parts it's kind of it just leaves it, it kind of abruptly ends um the message is is muddled i i think the art is really really strong and there's some great storytelling stuff, but I think this kills his uh, Frank Miller's run, unfortunately. Um, it's a great work. I would say if it was just a little bit more um, focused, it would be a great transitional work because there's so many things in here that he'll come back to with Sin City. He's really kind of, um, he's going, you know, Dark Knight Returns also has tons of noir elements in the language he uses and his own kind of like a sort of a scattershot um slam poetry version of Philip Marlowe kind of dialogue and interior monologues. There's even, there's a bunch of that in this too. But, you know, it's, unfortunately, it doesn't, at the end of the day, it's one of those things I'm like, ah, I just, I just wish he spent a little more time on it or just kind of focuses a little bit more on, on, on the story as a whole because I think it just kind of, uh, it just feels like less, less than the rest of his work. So that kills his run and we never hear from Frank Miller again. But we do. Of course we hear back from him. And this was fun. Frank Miller has two runs. This motherfucker has such a big career and such um, a deep well of, of expression that this, this first run, which is really a, a tiny... A, a, it's a small run, even though if you count Batman Year One, it's definitely a four-shot run. Um, his next run is even bigger. And it's basically the second wave of his career and he comes, he, he's riding high and he keeps on riding high for a long time. Longer than most comic book creators do. I mean, this guy, 
he could definitely just do Dark Knight Returns and just be done and, and still be talked about. He'll still be discussed. He'll still be um, part of the conversation just for that work and all the work preceding it, of course. He, but he, he's not, he's definitely not done. And he, he actually, in a lot of ways, he's just been getting started, especially artistically. And I mean that in uh, the sense of as an illustrator. Um, I think his, his next big work, which he does all himself, is him finally figuring out, uh, at least at least getting comfortable for a long time with uh, a particular style. Frank Miller is very much like a David Bowie, like a Bob Dylan. He's constantly changing and morphing. And sometimes it's, you'll get whiplash trying to look back at his career and go, that's the same guy? I mean, I, I could definitely see there's things that carry over, but uh, it looks very different. And so he's continuing to ink himself now. His next work is Sin City. Um, Sin City, of course, is done black and white. Uh, Chirskawa, I think is how you pronounce it, but basically it's like high contrast, stark black and white. Sometimes the holding line falls away and just the white of the background blends with the white of the figure and the black as well. Um, this is Frank Miller. This is, which is, this, is one of, this is one of my favorite things that any artist does. This is um, a continuation of the run, but this particular thing is him reinventing his roots. When artists reinvent their roots, um, a good example is like the Doors of L.A. Woman. The Doors go back to uh, the blues, one of their biggest influence, and they go, okay, let's make a blues album. But they're the Doors, and so their blues is going to be a mutated, weird version of the blues. It's going to be their version of the blues. They're not just trying to do standards. They're not trying to sound exactly like Howling Wolf. They're going to sound like the Doors still, but it's going to be through this lens of one of the things they are brought up on. Frank Miller having constantly sprinkled crime, pulp, noir novels and movies in his work before, now he's fully going, I'm doing a full-on crime story. There's no superheroes. There's no, there's no guys in tights. Um, this, is, this is me doing it. But since it's Frank Miller, since it's a comic book, it's going to be weird. It's going to be very unique. It's not going to be a McEsplaining novel, uh, novel. It's not going to be the, uh, the Spirit by Will Eisner. So it's Frank Miller... His character Marv, like he said before, is Conan in a trench coat. So he's still going to have, you know, insane superhuman <laughs> uh, uh, depictions in certain ways. But um, it's under the guise that he's just a normal guy. This is a, a world of crime. And Frank Miller's going to do it in this style we've never seen him do it before. We, we've seen glimpses. Like in Dark Knight Returns is a part where um, uh, Batman, at the end of issue one, is uh, confronting Harvey Dent. And they fall through a window. And there's a big light from, like I think, a helicopter. But it's all black and white for like a panel or two. And you see, oh, that's like the first little inkling of Sin City style. He's been building towards this, right? It comes through. Sin City um, is a collection of uh, short chapters in Dark Knight, or sorry, Dark Horse Presents that eventually get collected into Sin City, the first like collection trade. Um, he, he, you can see like the first issue, the first uh, part of the story, the first chapter, he's doing, you know, it's the, it's this high contrast style. It's yeah. Frank Miller's doing something different, you know, but then as the story continues, it gets even, he, he, he embraces it. He keeps figuring out new things he can do with this thing. So by the end of it, it's like, Oh, he's, he's really coming to, um, he's coming to his own now. He doesn't want, and I think since it is also him going, I want to be, uh, I want to be as much of a cartoonist as I can. So eventually he letters it himself he there's no color, so he doesn't have Lynn Varley color in it. She colors color covers, which look incredible. Um, he inks it himself, so this is really him going full on. Like this is a Frank Miller package. This is me. Take it or leave it. 
it's it's great. Sin City, um, you know, there's, there's been discussion about like you know, is this the first first time he really tipped his hat that he um has sort of like uh I, I guess right wing leanings or he has a bigotry in his heart and I, I don't see that in this work. I really don't. Yes, there are a lot of uh, women characters who are prostitutes, but the whole world of Sin City is almost everyone is a criminal in the book. And so, yeah, a lot of the women tend to be prostitutes, but most of the guys seem to be hoods and this and this and that. It's not great, but it's it's sort of like these are the tropes of the noir world, and especially this world that he's building out. And that being said, most of the prostitute characters, uh, plenty of them are actually kind of depicted heroically or sympathetically, or they at least appear they have autonomy and agency. So um, I, I, I have no problem with that in Sin City, especially the first uh, couple stories. Um it seems like Frank Miller's having a ball this one, right? And so the Sin City phase of his career is him really, um, art-wise, it's really become about the the illustration itself. He's still into storytelling and, and, and still into like uh, doing certain tricks, but he's less about like, um, his storytelling is taking a backseat to the actual illustration, it seems like. And for a while, it really works for him. It's fine. You know, this is the 90s, so it's sort of like he's competing with the image guys, the splash pages, and, you know, these are guys he helped inspire. So instead of doing a lot of 16-page grids and stuff like that he did in Dark Knight, there are more splash pages, more um, the big images. Uh, but, you know, you, you still you can read an issue of Sin City like uh, Silent Night, this one this one shot, which is basically almost wordless with Marv. It's a Christmas one shot. And the storytelling is incredible. You know, there's so many interesting uh, ways he tells the story within just that one comic. So he still has those chops, but he's kind of, uh, I think this is, part of his career the art is more important than the actual story it's basically he's using these crime um settings to kind of have an excuse to draw what he wants to draw so there's plenty of times where like the, the background is going to be a, a a dinosaur uh tar pit kind of thing because he wants to draw dinosaurs in the background or he wants to draw really sparse backgrounds uh, with um just like you know heavy lights or or, or palm trees that silhouette he, you know th- it's all about the art right the stories i still think are pretty good until they're not but um, it works for Sin City because the art is so strong. The art is such a, a cool, bold style. So Sin City, he reinvents his roots, right? He comes back. He makes his own mutant brand of crime novel. And he continues with that for a, a couple different books. So um, I, I think the follow-up is is really strong. It's called Dame to Kill For. This is Sin City 2, basically. Um, he basically refines the Sin City style, and now it's like a finely tuned machine like now it's like oh this is like fully formed this is how i do this thing um the high contrast it's it's great the story's um tons tons of fun it's you know it's violent it's it's kind of it's fun it's sexy it's stupid but it's like it's stupid in a way it's like what's this have fun like i don't care i just want to draw this like hot hot chick dressed like zorro on this on the street corner just because it's there and then we're going to cut to like this guy of machine guns fighting this other guy but it's not nonsense it's just like i'm not trying to make high art in a way i just want to have i just want to have my kicks man and if you were into the same stuff you're going to have a ball with me and that's what the, the series is he falls out the big fat kill which is even more this big fat kill is like the the action centerpiece of of the sin city saga this is this one is just like just non-stop like kick ass from the get-go right and then the fourth one um is that yellow bastard and this is my i think the first sin city is probably the best one but my favorite is that yellow bastard i think his his art style um on this one it's kind of um he he's 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 
bringing back some of the old uh, line work and, and some of the busyness that he's kind of lost with the, the high contrast of he's bringing a little bit of, of that back and it's a good balance and so this book it looks a little different than the other ones uh, but it looks really good and like there's some stuff with like Hardigan the character when he's in he's in prison and there's just a black background and the, the white bars are these super bold perfect white uh, bars and it's the angle of it it just it looks so um, geometric and ominous but also it's Frank Miller it seems really organic at the same time it feels like a, a human hand drew these things um, it's incredible and it's a great story it's, a, it's one of the better stories too of the Sin City Saga and so that means he had four great Sin City uh, uh, collections arcs right and in between there's some good short stories too that's a that's a, a, a solid run of four right um, this is him through the 90s like he's you know he's doing some more collaborations and these are some of these collaborations are some of his worst stuff and this is some of the stuff where I was as a as a fan because I was reading Sin City when it was coming out this is when I first started realizing oh he's not Frank Miller's not perfect like he is fallible and that's going to come back more and more so he does this thing he does an issue of Spawn right he writes Spawn uh, 11 um, it's not that good it's it, Tom McFarlane had like uh, Neil Gaiman Alan Moore Dave Sim and Frank Miller come each write an issue one after another right Frank Miller's is the worst one. Frank Miller just seems so like he's just phoning it in, right? There's, there's nothing there. Um, and then they go on to do Spawn Batman. I understand in retrospect, it's Spawn Batman. I don't know what I was expecting, I, but I thought it'd be the fucking Empire Strikes Back as a kid. Um, Spawn Batman was was one of the first times I was let down by a hero artistically, um, and that that was McFarlane and Frank Miller. Um, <laughs> that would that and like the, the Phantom Menace came out. And I was like, oh shit, man! Like, I guess, uh, I guess, don't put anybody in a pedestal because they're gonna let you down no matter what. And all this stuff I, I get now in retrospect, I, it's like, yeah, of course you can't, you can't always just drop fucking hits after one after another. But Spawn Batman is really bad and really uh, there's nothing going for it. It doesn't seem like anyone's having. A, it doesn't even seem that that fun, really. I don't know. It sh- it should be fun, like right. But that's fine. We're not gonna count those things, right? Um, we will count, uh, we will not count, but uh, I will say Hard Boiled with him and Jeff Darrow, Frank Miller writing, Jeff Darrow drawing. Uh, beautiful, incredible art. Uh, the story actually, I think, it, overall, I think it works. It's, you know, it's it's kind of uh, Frank Miller and Philip K. Dick mode, a little bit of his Judge Dredd kind of, uh, kind of satirical stuff. And he does a similar kind of voice, a little more earnestly though, with um, Give Me Liberty with Dave Gibbons. And that first Give Me Liberty is great. If um, we were in- including collaborations, Give Me Liberty would, would count towards uh, Frank Miller's run. That's a really solid book. The second one and the third one, they're not as good. There's some cool stuff, but uh, that first one is just on its own. It's a really cool like Judge Dredd story, but uh, instead Judge Dredd is the, is the main character. It's, it's awesome. Uh, a woman named Martha Washington and it's way more compelling and there's um I think it's it's one of Frank Miller's uh overlooked stories it's really good and, and one of his great characters Martha Washington uh him and Dave Gibbons they, they created her together but um those don't count towards the run but we do have those four Sin Cities right so I mean so far it's like if Frank Miller kept on doing Sin City in that mold I would have been happy as a fan I'm like fuck yeah just keep on doing it you know but this next Sin City story does kill the run and this is the start of i guess uh the fall you know the dark knight falls man frank miller falls so uh family values by by frank miller right sin city family values i will say the art is fucking excellent for most of this book it's really fun you have miho on roller skates 
what could go wrong there. It's just super fun, right? But this is the first time where the balance between, I just want to draw cool stuff, I'll give you enough story to make it worth your while, but it's really about this, the, the art. This is the first time that balance goes way too far towards like the story just doesn't matter at all and it's just the art. And it's kind of, it just makes it kind of forgettable. And so it's it's not a great work. It's not it's not some terrible thing he did. And it's you know it's him still doing the Sin City stuff, but it's basically the the, the shine of Sin City is kind of, is finally worn off after that yellow bastard. This one this one kind of uh, sours the rest of the Sin City stuff, right? But what sucks is like the next work if he would have if they, they would have reversed the order of this he would have had a five run as his second run. The next book is three hundred. 300, 300 is really good. I initially, as a kid, I liked 300, but then I found out how historically inaccurate it was. I found out that, um, yes, there were 300 Spartans who, you know, fought all this stuff, but um, these guys supposedly fighting for uh, freedoms and all this stuff and that, they were 300 guys who had their slaves with them, slaves who were forced to fight with them. That definitely uh, soured me on the whole fucking thing. I was like, well, that's not that that kind of kills the message. You know, I, I <laughs> kind of have to go in the hard stance that guys fighting for freedom who own slaves are full of shit. But I will say, as I get older, reading the book again, it's a myth. It's 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 complete. It's not there's a fucking Quasimodo weird hunchback guy there's like it's supernatural stuff it's it is he's not trying to be historical whatsoever okay so i'm gonna let that shit go for this story for for what it's trying to be it's not trying to be history frank miller is is doing a humongous myth a greek myth and it's great the the story is fantastic and fun the art looks incredible some of lynn farley's best coloring uh, he brings her back to do the coloring. It's full color again. His art style is like, you know, it's still what he's learned from Sin City, where he's gone from there. But now he's taken off some of the high contrast stuff. And it's this cool, um, like, Yellow Bastard level. Um, and even Family Values, which, you know, art-wise is still pretty awesome. He's bringing back some of the details. Some of the rendering is back, you know. And it's also in this really crazy wide format. And so when you bought the single issues, like, you know... They're basically like, there are all these huge spreads, and when you buy, you buy the collection, it's this, it's you know letterbox uh, size book. It's it's really cool. So he's playing a format again, you know, the he's the presentation. He's playing with that a little bit again. Three hundred is great. Unfortunately, since it came after family values, it's an isolated great thing, and it's his last great work. Um, so let's get into the fall, right? Okay, so. Um, oh, and real quick, you know, I actually kind of forgot about this, uh, way, way back in the day, back in the eighties, man, he also did a Wolverine miniseries with Chris, Chris Claremont, which, um, Chris wrote and he drew. We're not counting that towards the, the collaborations or towards the run because it's a collaboration. But I also, that's another controversial opinion. I don't, I think that's just okay. I think there's some cool stuff in it. Sure. I don't really like the way Frank Miller's ink there. I don't really like, um, I think the story is, is pretty cool. Um, but it's, it's, it, I wish the book lived up to the cover, 
of the collection, which is Lynn Varley coloring it and uh, Wolverine fighting a million hand ninjas and there's like Shurikens and Morningstar and and it's just that looks incredible. But that's ladder. That's that's Frank Miller, I think, inking himself and Lynn Varley coloring. That's not what's inside that book. So unfortunately, that doesn't count either, and that's not that good, in my opinion. This next opinion is not that controversial. This is kind of what most people think. I do I, I do think it's colored though with some kind of more um more nuanced opinion. So you here it is. So he does a sequel to Dark Knight. The Dark Knight Strikes Again. At this point, uh, I was uh, I don't know I think the twenty or something when it came out, and um I didn't hear about it until I saw it in the stand. I was like, what the fuck? I was kind of not reading comics for a little bit, you know? I feel like I, was, I only wasn't reading comics for less than a year, eight months. And, of course, the biggest shit ever happened when I, was, when I wasn't I was watching. So Dark Knight Returns, uh, returns. It's Dark Knight Strikes Again, and the first issue comes out. And so I pick it up. I'm like, oh, God, I got to read this. I knew initially, like, I, I was like, okay, um, the colors look really bright, like, really garish. This is really computery. And at the time, you know, I was, I was mostly totally enamored of computer colors. I mean, Image Comics came out with computer coloring. It looked great um, for the most part. I had noticed as a kid, I got a couple issues of Spawn, and um, one issue was a newsstand issue, and one issue was um, a direct market one. And the newsstand issue had um, cheaper paper, and it was a little darker. It was not, wasn't newsprint, but it was a little, a little closer to that. And I thought the, the color looked better on that. It, wasn't, it was a little more subdued. That was my first kind of thinking about computer colors, like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe sometimes it's too much. And the paper got glossier and glossier as, as the 90s went on. So this is, um, it, it became too much. It became, it became uh, abrasive looking. Dark Knight Strikes Again, which is colored by Lynn Varley, my favorite colorist. It's on record. Uh, she went uh, went f- with the computers. And, went, and I think it's a big question mark. Everyone's like, is she intentionally making it look like this? Is it a mistake? Is it, she, she's using new tools and, you know, she's just not used to this sort of thing. Is it like a comment on '90s uh, comic books and their coloring? I don't. I don't know. I think. I think it is intentional. I think she was going for. It. I kind of lean towards like hey, she had new tools, wasn't super versed in, but it was also like this is a fucking candy store. Let's go nuts, you know. Um, and the coloring really takes away from a lot of the book. Unfortunately, there's some cool stuff even with the coloring. Um, there's some cool story stuff too, and, and the art. The line work is a good... It's Frank Miller kind of doing that 300... Uh, uh, 300 Yellow Bastard kind of kind of line. But he's... With the computer coloring, it's he, it's like his usual thing with Lynn Varley. He's, he wants her to kind of do the heavy lifting on the background and certain things like that and tones and, and adding depth. But instead of her watercolors, this um, this computer coloring, it doesn't, doesn't really work out the same way. It actually... Uh, it, it basically accentuates, unfortunately... Some of the the things that don't work with Frank Miller's style, if you do it like this, where um, some of the figures, the, the backgrounds are nothing, right? And and so he's, he, you know, um, so the, the actual line work I do like. Some people hate it. Some people say this is where he start. He stopped being able to draw. I actually, um, I, I I still like his line work. I think he looks great. Um, there's a period after this we'll talk about briefly where I think it wasn't his best work, but he, I think he's kind of recovered. I, I think his work looks really cool now. Um, it's not my favorite of his stuff. That that's probably you know, Sin City, uh, Sin City, Dark Knight, between those two and stuff, that kind of period. But it doesn't matter. Um, his new stuff is still pretty cool. But this stuff, um, there's some great line work. The coloring's not great. But the real thing that kills this from not being um, 
not being a great work and um, is the story. So this work, there's no way, it's almost like it's a suicide mission from the get-go. There's no way he's going to beat Dark Knight Returns. He smartly goes, I'm not going to make Dark Knight Returns, really. Um, I'm not going to make a, a true sequel. I'm, gonna, I'm basically going to do my own version of Justice League. I'm going to play with the DC Universe. I'm use the Dark Knight as a vehicle to do that. Um, it's it's going to be totally different. In a lot of ways, I, I view this as like um, Alan Moore sort of reacted against uh, all the greedy and grim stuff that him and Frank Miller sort of inspired with Dark Knight and Watchmen. He, he, he did a lot of superhero stories where it's like, oh, it's fun to be a superhero. Isn't it like he did Supreme where it's like, it, it's like, isn't it incredible? All these possibilities, like this, this colorful world. It's not the real world. Let's, let's embrace how, um, how fantastic it is. So this is sort of Frank Miller's kind of version of that. And he actually took his, um, his chief arbiter of dark and grimy stuff, his dark Knight version of Batman. And he used that as the, um, as the means to kind of express this message. So that sounds great, right? On paper, it is kind of great. But unlike Dark Knight Returns, where there's a lot of uh, character stuff you can really hang your hat on with, with Frank, with Batman uh, being older, and even even the villains in Two Face, and and the, sort of like the symmetry between those two characters and like their dark sides returning, and so much going on. There's there's some real depth to the the emotions feel very real. This one, it's mostly artifice, and unlike Dark Knight Returns, which felt very improvisational, like a lot of his work does, um, and I, I've heard from sources that, you know, the reason why issues three and four of Dark Knight Returns were late was that he changed the story big time after reading some Watchmen stuff. He changed the whole trajectory and, and, and added that incredible ending with Superman and him fighting and the whole thing. That, that was not the original plan, and that helps make the book, right? So those are great uh, improv- improvisational changes, right? And this one... Frank Miller's living in New York City. 9-11 happens. And it fucks him up for years. You know, and I I got no judgment there. I mean, I didn't live through that. That seems that seems like it might really fuck you up. He he you know, he, he lived he lived in New York City. Um he was there when the towers fell, you know? And so that changes the way he's he's telling the story. And so it does add a little bit of um a little bit of, of sincerity to uh, what was before, like issue one, kind of like a, just a kind of, you know, a fun but shallow uh, expression of superhero um, excitement and stuff like that, right? It adds, it, it does give that ingredient of, of there's some real, real gristle, real meat to this, but it's it comes off um, bitter and broken, and and that's fine. But the worst things it comes off. Um, it doesn't seem it, it, it. It's so improvisational. It comes off unplanned and kind of sloppy, and it doesn't seem to fit, and it mars the overall story. And so you have some interesting things about Superman and Batman in the story. Um, cool things with Carrie Kelly, the Robin character, who's one of his best creations. Um, but there's this whole sub story with like uh, you find out it's uh, Dick Grayson's back, but he's like a, he's like an evil Joker now. He's killing people and he's killing like the Question and, and the Martian Manhunter who barely who appear for almost no reason really. They just get killed off. It's kind of pointless. Lex Luthor, Brainiac stuff. There's I like the idea of uh, the bottled city being used against Superman and that explains why Superman's a stooge for the government. But um, it's not satisfying. None of it feels. Um, none of it, none of the moments land really for me. You know so. By end of issue three, it's like there's some cool stuff in here, man. You almost you almost had a book that was never going to be as good as Dark Knight Returns, but it was doing its own thing. And it, it could have been a really awesome book, and um, 
But I think then it's a mess. It's a mess. And it was um it was a real sign that uh Frank Miller, you know, he's he he's not a fucking god. He he he's very fallible and you know, th- this unfortunately uh this work people people hate this work and I do not hate it. I actually reread it sometimes and I get a lot out of certain parts of it. Um, um, there's some great stuff with, uh, the Adam at the beginning when he's small and he, he's in a Petri dish fighting these giant monsters, you know, um, there's some cool stuff. There's some cool stuff in general, you know, there's also Frank Miller, like he, like he did Dark Knight Returns. Um, he's roasting both sides of the political spectrum. He's roasting the left, he's roasting the right. And some of the stuff he says is really apt. And like in Dark Knight Returns, where it's kind of make fun of the 24 hour uh, news cycle kind of stuff. Um, he, he plays on like you know, there's a, a president who's a hologram, and this is like, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's funny, and it's also kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, we're basically almost there, right, I mean, it, it, it's, it's really interesting, and, and later on, he does a, a book called uh, Dark Knight Golden, The Golden Child, which is, uh, uh, he writes, right, and, um, oh my god, I feel bad, I forget the guy's name, he did, um, Ramon, I forget, man. He's a fucking awesome artist. It's a it's a pretty cool book. It's not like great, but there's some good stuff. And he's like making fun of, uh, he's making fun of Trump and and stuff like that. So he's always been like politically. He um, people try to paint him as a right right wing guy. And I think he might have just said he's liber he's, he's a he libertarian values. I think, but he's he I think he's kind of his own thing. He you know he definitely has said some right wing shit later on. But he he cuts back and he's definitely he's been pro Black Lives Matter and he's. He's a real person who's complicated, and he thinks he's changed his mind. He's also not, he's not in one box or the other, you know? So, Dark Knight Strikes again, unfortunately, it's not a return to form. It's a mess. Um, and then he, he does the worst book of his entire career, and it's the worst book, uh, it's it's one of the worst works by a favorite artist I've, I could think of. It's the Holy Terror book. Um so 9/11 happens. He he's there in New York. It really affects him. He's um, he's uh. I I don't know Frank Miller's stories. I I I will speculate slightly, saying that there have been uh tons of stories about addiction issues. I think alcoholism. Again, hey, I don't know Frank Miller. I'm so sorry if that's not the truth. I'm not a fucking authority, but these are things that have been speculated upon. I don't know if it's a factor. I do know you said. You weren't in your right mind when you said uh, you when you were anti the Occupy Wall Street movement and you and you call those those guys I think you call them thugs and rapists and this and this and that. You said later on in life that you, you weren't in the right mind when you said that. I know that that means you're alluding to addiction issues or you simply uh, you think you were uh, weren't making the right call on those guys. Either way, I think that 9/11, as you said, in various things that that affected you deeply. And so Holy Terror was supposed to be. Um, a Batman book, Batman Holy Terror, where Batman took on Al Qaeda. And what I've heard was like the idea was like, oh, it'll be like, uh, a sort of a a play on the old propaganda comics from the fifties, in the forties rather, World War Two and stuff like that, where Batman, Superman would fight, you know, um, um, Nazis and stuff like that. But unfortunately, it comes off. I don't know. I I I, I think parts of it were trying to be satirical, like satirizing those books in a way, but. Unfortunately, like a lot of those books, which has um, these terrible like uh, depictions of uh, uh, Japanese people as inhuman monsters in in World War II, this does that with uh, Middle Eastern Muslim people, and 
it, you know, I, I could, you basically, you're seeing a work that is a, it took them a couple of years to draw this, or at least a year, you know, it took them time to make this work. Um, it wasn't like it was a flippant remark or something he said, and he's like, oh shit, why did I say that? I don't really mean that. I just, I was angry. He was angry and hurt enough to make this work, which, you know, it, it does feel, it does feel bigoted. Um, he has said he, he's not capable of that work now. And you could say, okay, he's just saying that because like, the work was, you know, so maligned uh, and, it's, you know, got him uh, kicked off of different shows and conventions that he's just saying that to appease people. I, I honestly buy it. I, I do believe that he is, he, um, he knows he fucked up and he knows that that was a wrong work. Here's the thing. I don't think art has to be a um, moral. I, I don't think art really is moral or immoral, but I do think you say something, you put something out in the world. Uh, yeah, you can answer for it. Right. Especially when it's like, it's not really a oblique thing. It's not really a question. It's like, Oh man, no, it seems like you're really, uh, you 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 seem uh, you seem uh, bigoted towards a a religion or a certain sect of people. At least this work does. It's taking aim on them in an unfair way. So, yeah, I think you have to answer for that kind of thing. Uh, regardless, you know, your work doesn't have to be anything, or it doesn't have to be um doesn't have to be moral. But this is the real world. You say something, someone could say something back to you, and that's that's fair. So. He says holy terror to the world. The world says mostly, no thanks. Like, oh, gross. Oh, man. Also, artistically, there's some cool stuff in here. It's 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 mostly black and white. Um, there's, there's some really cool stuff. There's cool figure work. There is some, like, weird back background, like... It's like he's he's doing his contrast since anything, but I, I don't know if he's using computers to do some of the stuff in the background, like the, the cityscapes, but it, it doesn't look great to me. But I'm also... Um, but I'm not gonna lie. There are some cool. There are some really cool sequences and panels. Isolate it if you take off the take out the story part of it, which you know you really can't. It's a story. Um, but overall, it's it's even if you didn't think if you don't think it's a, a work of bigotry or if you don't think it's a an ugly work or if you don't if you view it as a, a it's actually satire and you know which I don't I think him apologizing for is basically him saying it's not satire. I was just angry and, and this is messed up. If you, I, I think no matter what, it's not a great work. I, I think, um, it, you know, it's it, if you don't read it, you're not really going to miss out on much, unfortunately. And so for a while, that was the last thing he wrote and drew, right? He um, he comes back, he writes Dark Knight Three, which I've never re- never read. He doesn't he draws a certain story, like little mini uh, comics that come with it, and the art on those things isn't great. Um, uh, there's been stuff where, um, like James Harvey, who's an artist who he's recolored it and kind of done more of a flat color thing. And it really complements the work a lot better. So the art actually looks a lot better, um, that way, not with the computer colors that, you know, but Frank Miller is a guy who I'm sure can say yay or nay to who colors his work. Him and Varley have, have split up. And so I think he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to try to ape her art style her, her coloring style he, he doesn't want to have someone who just do, does a Lynn Varley impression and to make his work look like it used to but he he's going so far the other way with this rendering crap it does not look good with his work so like when you see some of his work now on his Instagram for instance he's just posting sketches he does with ink and stuff looks pretty awesome a lot of it he just has been doing Spider-Man lately and like oh that's cool he did a Martha Washington for Black Lives Matter and stuff like that like um 
I think he actually donated some money to the cause. And also he, he did a Ronin for Stop Asian Hate stuff because, you know, Ronin is, of course, a samurai figure. Um, the work, the, the line work looks great. I um, he his, his next comic he actually drew and wrote was a sequel to 300, which I have also not read because I looked at some of the pages and uh, I think the art looked pretty cool. The line work, the coloring, again, was it wasn't as bad as uh, uh, Lynn Varley's job on Dark Knight Strikes Again, but it wasn't as good as any of the Lynn Varley previous work, you know, as the Sin City covers, as the Dark Knight Returns, as the uh, 300 stuff. It wasn't as good as that. So it kind of turned me off that maybe this one day I'll try it again and, and, and give it a shot. Um, he keeps promising that he's going to come back to Sin City and do like a Western like prequel. I'm all for that, man. I think that'd be fucking awesome. Uh it's 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 crazy. So like we we have this guy who um now as a as a as a figure he's 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 a weird state right he's a he's his work and to an extent himself is is very much a celebrated uh grandfather figure of, of comics right of course he did the holy terror work and he uh, sets himself to occupy that paint him um as a bigoted guy as a hateful person and there's been a big backlash to his work. And then there's also people who have backlashes against his, like, they think he can't draw anymore. Um, I think he, I think Frank Miller, this is my opinion, that's all it is. So I think Frank Miller is a guy who did some bigoted work, said some fucked up things. He genuinely does regret those things, not just because it affects his bottom line. I do believe that. I could be wrong, but I believe that. Um, whether or not he should be allowed at conventions or... Or anything else that's kind of up to them and, and you like y- y- you don't have to go see him uh, if you don't like it you can call the convention or whatever and, and make your voice heard uh, that's all valid you know Th- that's up to you um, I, I, I he has said he, you know he, he regrets certain things maybe that's not good enough for you I get that you know if I'm not a Muslim person but if, if maybe that wouldn't be good enough for me if I was I, I'd be like no man you, you you sat down and drew that book no, I'm sorry. Um, but maybe it is. I don't, I, I, I don't know. All I'm saying is that I, I, I think he is, um, I think he does regret those things, whether or not you forgive, whether or not you think he should still have a career up to you. I will say beyond that, his older work, his body work is as good as anybody's in comics. It's, um, it's staggering. He has two runs, two different runs. And if, you know, maybe you aren't as critical as me, it'd be one continuous run. And that's outside of his collaborations, which there's incredible stuff in that, too. Um, he's a complicated guy. He, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's really, honestly, up to each individual person. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer whether or not you separate art from artist. Um, and I also think, you know, it's up to you to decide what's forgivable or what we can move past or what. Um, you can't. That, that's fine. I will say, um, when I see Frank Miller's work still, I still think, I think he could draw like a motherfucker. I think his style is, is great. His newer stuff looks really cool. There's still a funky energy to it. Um, I also admit that I have complete bias in that uh, I grew up with this guy's work. It means a lot to me. I have a personal investment in him as, uh, I, I, you know, I, I want him, I want him to do good. I want him to be better. You know, I feel like he is, I feel like he's trying to be better. So that's just me. But again, you know, take it or leave it. Um, but you know, you if you, if you if you want to enjoy his old stuff and you hate you don't want to endorse his new stuff, that's fine. His old stuff is fucking great, right? I mean, 
if you especially if you like superhero stuff i don't know you can't do much better man like there's there's some stuff in there like his his composition his his uh storytelling chops his line work it's so singular and distinctive and he's gone through so many different um mutations and and changes but it's still held on to who he is um he, he's one for the ages right uh, so we have jaw-dropping debut Daredevil. We have the experimental curveball Ronin. We have the masterpiece Dark Knight Returns. We have uh, the victory lap, which kind of falls apart in, in his face, which is Electra lives again, so that's not part of the run. But then he comes back big time. He reinvents his roots. Sin City Saga, right? Then the isolated greatness of 300. Honestly, any one of those would make would make your career. Any one of those would be worthy of us talking about, you know, just like, oh man, that was great. He did all those. And he all, he did all those. He had help, but he did a lot of it himself. And he did a lot of, he, he did a lot of it with, even with help, he did it his own way. Um, so Frank Miller, I hope you're, uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you keep on drawing. Uh, I, I would love for you to come back with something great. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, take care. Bye-bye.